support for Why Is That Important is 100% provided by you. We are blown away by the hundreds of downloads we've gathered over our first season, and we are super grateful to have the opportunity to host a second season. And even though submitting a podcast is free, there's a lot of other little expenses here and there, and that's where you come in. Even just a dollar a month goes a long way in making this podcast better. So, if you love this podcast and want to put some money behind it, go to patreon.com slash W-I-T-I, or you can click in the show notes. Uh, once again, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash W-I-T-I. We really appreciate it. And thanks for being a great listener. Why that the party? Why is that important? The podcast is called Why Is That Important? Hey there, and welcome to Why Is That Important, where regular people come for interesting ideas and perhaps a little debate. I'm your host, Joe Wanger, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Martin. Hi, everyone. And each week we have the privilege of interviewing someone who has something they feel is important enough to talk about, and we took some time to discuss it and perhaps even disagree on it. So today's topic is what we can learn from children. And so, Andrew... Um, my question is, would we want to emulate you as a child? So would you like to emulate me as an adult when you were a child? Or would you like no. to emulate me <laughs> when you're an adult when I was a child? Me being the adult, you being the child. Like, what were you like as a child, Andrew? That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Me as a child. Um, precocious. I thought I knew everything, and frankly, the older I've gotten, the more certain I am that I did know everything, and I've only gotten dumber <laughs> since being a child. Um, I was, uh, I, you might describe me as cocksure. I was scrawny. Physically, I was I was petite. I wasn't particularly yeah, tall. You were not a big kid. I was yeah. very, very skinny. I was kind of had a high-pitched, kind of whiny voice, but I, was, I also said and did the goofiest things. My my parents, like sometimes I asked them, I was like, how did you put up with me? Because I was, I would argue with everyone. And they're like, well, frankly, you were really funny. So and now now that I have a one-year-old, I kind of, I'm starting to get that. I'm like, you know what? This is actually pretty entertaining. Let's oh, not turn yeah. on Netflix. Let's just watch what our son does. I have consistently said the hardest part about being a parent is not laughing at all the wrong things your kid does because you know you'll pay for it later. <laughs> I don't I don't know if my son's old enough yet to like like he, the the wrong things he he does like he we tell him, you know, don't touch the fan. So what does he do? Touch the fan. Like it's not that funny yet. Um but the the it funny things be. he does is he's just like, you know, he gets fascinated by a walnut or something and then he like gives it to you and you're about to take it and he like takes it back and runs off with it and it's just like I don't know, it's it's just funny to watch or he's like sitting in his bathtub and splashing and it just makes him so happy. I'm like, "Man, I wish splashing in water made me that happy." <laughs> That's because you don't know the mess that it makes underneath the tile or in the cracks of the tubs when you're a kid. <laughs> and I know what it, I now know what it's like <laughs> to have to repair that. <laughs> I built my own shower, so I know it's not going to be a problem. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, today's guest is Nick Britton. Uh, he is the author of Lessons from the Little Ones. And uh, he has actually had quite the life experience in his short time here on Earth. Um, I mean, I'm assuming he's young. We didn't really talk about that, but I'm just making that assumption. 
Uh, he's a former former college football player, has had some military training uh, in his college years, and has been a preschool teacher. And I think he said he was an administrator as well. And uh, in addition to owning uh, and selling a few businesses, he has some real estate, and he is a husband and a soon-to-be father. So, um, yeah, our conversation coming up here is... It's good. It's good. I think the premise for us was something that was new and exciting um, with us having kids, uh, feeling like we have a little bit of scope on on lessons we've learned from our kids. And um, yeah, I really think that you're going to you're going to enjoy the conversation. And uh, without further ado, here's Nick Britton. All right, hey there, Nick. Welcome to the podcast. How are are you? Sur- you're surviving the storm. All right. Yes, I am. It's a beautiful, beautiful day in in Miami. Yeah, you and I were talking a little bit beforehand too, and you've there was a fight going on over a gallon of water, and it was kind of like, can we can we just get along? <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, we th- we're definitely thinking about all the people that are down there. By the time. This has been released. We should be we should be weeks out um, from that, and and hopefully we can now say you know everything worked out no matter what. But well, let's just clarify um, a little bit and say that this is Hurricane Irma and not Harvey. So just or not not whatever storm comes after. What, what did I hear? Jose is also churning off in the Atlantic. So you know, we don't know how many different storms people might think we're referencing. So just to be clear. This is Irma. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Is that how they're saying it? Irma, not Irma? Well, I my brother's uh, mother-in-law, her name is spelled I-R-M-A, and she says Irma. And it's an it's an I um, and not a, a U or an er, an E. It's not an E-R-M-A. So I thought it was Irma, but... All right. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, today we're we're talking with uh, with Nick Britton, and is, am I saying that right, Nick Britton? Yes. Yes, you are. Okay. All right. I had wanted to ask you that beforehand, but we'll do it now. Um, and you have written a book. Uh, it in it is called uh, Lessons from the Little Ones, and the whole premise is based around the fact that we can learn from children, learn success from children. Um, and so let's just jump right, right into it. Like what, before you even started reading this book, like what has been your story that has led you to a point, uh, to be, I think you say a football player in, in college to becoming a number one bestseller, right? On Amazon, uh, with a book about children. Yes. It's a very unique story. And first and foremost, I wasn't, I'm not a native Floridian. I'm not from Miami. My story begins uh, in Massachusetts where I went to high school and lived in small town, New England. And I uh, went to college in Vermont and I went to a military academy and played four years of football and did some great stuff. And I always knew that my purpose was to truthfully help as many people as possible. I know that is my life's goal. That is my life's purpose is to just help people. How I help people seems to be changing at a frequent frequent level. I um, it went from you know being a teacher to being an administrator to now being a public speaker and writing books. So that's kind of my my journey, my bridge version of my journey at least. 
Okay. All right. And so somewhere here towards the end, you have you've written because you have another book, don't you? Yes, I, I wrote a book last year, and it's funny because I talk a lot about goals and you know and and staying focused. And in twenty fifteen, two thousand and fifteen, my goal was to read a book a week. Um, and I had no intention ever to write a book. I just wanted to read as many books as possible and to just you know expand my mind. And I and I successfully read 50 books in 2015. So I didn't hit my big goal. I missed it by two weeks. But, um, you know, that really motivated me. And a lot, a lot of some books were good. Some books weren't good. And I, I said, I can write a book. I, I can definitely do this. Okay. All right. So so you've written a book about children. What has been uh, – not about children, but <laughs> uh, using children as, as uh, the subject. And so – like, what experience have you drawn from uh, to write this book? Yes, the, uh, the biggest experience from this is just my, my years as a teacher. And during that time, a lot of my friends were getting out of the military, and they were, um, you know, struggling transitioning into civilian life, uh, communicating with me about, you know, they forgot how to function as a member of our society. And when I would give these people advice, my, my good friends' advice, I realized I was just telling them things that I observed as a teacher that little kids were doing. And I had that light bulb moment, that moment where it, it all made sense to me. Well, let me let me ask you this question. I mean, you, you set children up as paragons of success. And I'm just curious, you know, what what do what does success in a child look like? Like, how do you know if a child is succeeding? I mean, I guess as an adult, you have a certain idea of what you think success should look like, but is that what the child thinks success looks like? Or do they believe well, they're succeeding? Well, you know, full transparency, you know, my biggest thing is I, I never want to engage in what success looks like. That's such a, um, a broad statement that we can debate for the next 24 hours. You know, some people think it's, you know, family. Some people think it's money. Some people think it's fame. And in my personal definition of success is it's actually a destination. It's a destination of, you know, where you are currently in your life and where you know your potential can be. And that little distance, whether you're closer to it or further away, is success. But, you know, I, I, I very clear to my audience, to your audience, that everyone's perspective of success is different. However, you know, through certain lessons, I think, you know, to answer your question, I believe children view success as constantly learning and, you know, successfully being happy and, you know, growing and going towards life in, in some. Yeah, I think we lost you, Nick. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, I, then I didn't hear the last thing you said. You said uh, kids moving successfully towards. Um. You know, towards that, towards being happy, towards that, you know, a happy life, you know, waking up every day, doing what they like to do, which is usually playing, you know, learning and growing is, you know, how children view, view life. So, so is it fair to say that, you know, success for each person is kind of measured on their own scale of, of, I guess it's a, a kind of a combination of potential and, and, um, um, improvement. Yes, it's a constant, and that's that's my definition. 
you know, I've met some of the, some of the greatest minds in the world at conferences and seminars, and I've learned that everyone has a different perspective of success. And kind of like, you know, I, I think like kind of like religion and politics, it's like, you know, I, I've learned to kind of not get into those debates with people rather than, you know, just understand, hey, if you have a goal, right, if you have a dream, and I hope everyone has a goal and everyone has a dream, then there are certain steps to take to achieve your goal and your dream, you know, to achieve the life that you know you deserve. Hmm. So is it, is it fair to say then um, that success is a little bit amorphous? One person's success might be another person's failure kind of thing. So how do you, how do you take lessons about how to achieve success when it's something that's um, so subjective as to know when you've made it there or not. Well, I'm just you know, curious. I, mean, I definitely believe that you can learn things from children. I'm just curious how, how do you draw conclusions from something that is uh, difficult to identify as being achieved or not? Yes. Well, you know, there's certain steps to achieve that though, such as not giving up in my opinion if you give up on a task that you're set out to do, you know, that's kind of the, the opposite of success, you know, where children learn and know, you know, we're sitting here having a conversation at one point, you know, you learn to talk at one point, you learn to walk and stand up and, and, and to get what you want out of your life. I believe, um, you know, a three-year-old is the best salesman in the world, you know, cause three-year-olds, <laughs> four-year-old they know how to truly get what they want out of their life and uh you know if people can just take something away to from children and have that same relentless view towards life then i think this world would truthfully be somewhat of a better place so then is is a portion of the children's success um marked by their relentlessness their unwillingness to actually be willing to to you know, move past the tantrum. If I can, you know, condescend a little bit to the children's sphere to a place where you know what we might call a tantrum. You would say is them learning to be successful at getting what they really want. Yes, you know that this all comes down to a very basic concept that this world is truthfully, you know, controlled by our mind and in you know what is perception really reality and whatnot. I. Uh, um, I posted something today about the hurricane and it kind of went viral and I had a lot of people um, write to me in a negative way. I, I did a Twitter post and an Instagram post about the hurricane and truthfully, you know, I was getting frustrated because everyone was, I, I turned on my feed and it was just all this negative talks like my house is going to blow over poor me, my life sucks, etc., and all this craziness. And I was, I was, I, I put up a post and said, you know what? It's beautiful outside. Um, view the world as a beautiful place right now and understand that this hurricane is going to come and there's nothing we can do about it besides one, be prepared or two, you know, just, just up and leave. But putting up a negative message on social media did really nothing. Well, can the opposite be said as well? And putting up a positive message, you know, does that really truly do anything to anyone's life either? I mean, yes. I, I, I don't really want to get into the idea of 
you know, how does social media work? But it, I don't know. It's just, it, it's an interesting thought and take a step back and say, you know, if, if negative messages have no, have no effect, do positive messages have much or any effect on social media? Yeah. And that's a, you know, and that's a tough question. I, I, I have well over 60,000 followers, 70,000, I don't even know on social media. And, you know, this one thing, just telling people to take responsibility for their life, take responsibility for your happiness. Understand that, you know, if you want to be happy or sad, that is a decision truthfully that, that you make. And um, throughout my book, I, I, go through those decisions and go through this learning growing up process. Interesting. So, so would you say children are able to be happier um, in part because they decide to be happier? I believe so. I believe they, you know, they, they don't know what, you know, we can talk about, you know, race, right? Prejudice. They don't know prejudice. They don't know black and white. They don't see that. That's a learned behavior. I truly believe that hatred, anger is a learned behavior as well as, you know, lying and manipulation. That is something that children are not born with. And adults somehow teach these children those negative behaviors. I I would so I have four kids, ranging from ages seven down to one and a half, and I would partially agree with what you're saying. Like I think you're right that hate and um, how we display anger uh, is definitely a learned trait. Especially, it's really great when you see your kid doing something that you're pretty sure you do, and you're like. All right, I need to work on that. <laughs> um, but there's also a side where I feel like um, manipulation and lying is something my children have uh, have been able to be very good at without seeing me do that. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I don't usually lie. Um, I, I try not to lie as much as possible. At least in front of them. Um, well, just well, just in general, <laughs> but but I know that my like my oldest, she has, she has been quite the manipulator. Um, like you talked about being that salesperson um, from the from the get go, and so I'm curious if there's like a if you feel like there's a spectrum that that maybe that can fall on. Like, is it is it are you able to do you feel like you're able to say definitively like these different traits are all learned these different traits may be there, but like the way they manifest uh, in our children is learned is, is learned. Um, uh, and, and, you know, am I, am I, I don't know if I'm making any sense there, but do you feel like there's a way to, 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 to make those, that distinction? I, um, you know, and, and I've done thorough research obviously before writing a book about, about the, the core differences. And the biggest thing is, you know, it's kind of like everything you can find a piece of research that says, you know, X, Y, and Z, and then you can find a piece of research that contradicts X, Y, and Z. The biggest, yeah, argu- yeah. the biggest argument that people present to me, and this is the only one that I, you know, I, I can't really, um, you know, I'm showing my cards and being a little vulnerable right now, is that um, children, cognitively, their brain is not sophisticated enough to learn how to lie at a young age and until two or three years old. And that is something that several 
um, neuro neuro doctors have told me is that it's just a, it's a cognitive difference between children and adults, and it's a maturity thing. I, I don't know if that's true. I'm not a doctor. I have a master's in education. You know, that's in my opinion somewhat. I don't want to say useless, but I I feel like I haven't really used my my master's degree in a very long time. Okay. All right. Well, then let's kind of get back to the to the book. Then I feel like we're kind of talking about things that maybe you mentioned in your book. Can you give us um, maybe like the the ten thousand foot view uh, of your book? And 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 I'm going to be honest. As of right now, uh, Andrew and I have not read the book intentionally because our our podcast is predicated on uh, the design that we've just come. We've maybe finished a meal. We're sitting down at the table and we're just having a discussion. And this is something that you're really passionate about. And um, I'm I'm the type of person where I'll probably go afterwards and I'll I'll get your book and read it after we've we've talked about it. So, like, give us like a nobody's ever read this. Then we, maybe some of our audience has never heard of you. Like, what are the what's the main driving force in the book? And maybe some some sub points in there. Yes, the biggest thing with this, and you know, this is full disclosure. A lot of people think you one have to be a parent to read the book. You have to be a teacher to read the book. None of that is true, right? This book is designed for people who want to achieve more in their life. People who want to, you know, just maybe, you know, it's a non, I, I would consider a nonfiction book. You know, nonfiction readers is, I, I can't, personally, I cannot read fiction. I, um, I, I can read nonfiction all day, but I, I, my mind doesn't really allow me to read fiction. I don't know why I just can't really get into it. Um, so this is a nonfiction book about my experiences as a teacher, teaching preschool, and how it related to and how I believed I learned more observing children than I did with mil- military training, than I did playing college football, and I did, you know, achieving two bachelor's degrees and a master's degree, as well as all of my previous experiences I believe that I learn more by observing children and if read with an open mind, you know, anyone can receive that extra edge by reading my book and learning, you know, how to grow and how to become a better human being. Okay. All right. So, so what is, um, in, in your book, like what was one of the most, Maybe the most surprising things as you went into it, what you noticed, and then as you started fleshing out the idea and doing some research, like what was one of the most surprising things to you uh, as you've written this book um, in, in one of these lessons that we can learn? The, the biggest thing is somewhere along the lines, um, adults, millennials per se, because I'm classified as a millennial. So a lot of people try to engage me in conversations over how millennial thinks, right? But like <laughs> quitting is like, it's a fairly common thing for people in general, right? It doesn't matter what age you are or whatnot. And my, my experience is, is that when a child really wants to do something, they would do honestly whatever it takes to achieve what they want to do. And I'll give you an example. I had a little three-year-old girl, probably weighed 35 pounds, um, and she wanted to drag a big tree branch that fell down across the playground that was five times the size of her and make that her 
her castle because she was playing, you know, dress up in, in her mind. I asked her three times if she needed help, and this little girl just every two feet she was dragging this big tree branch. I don't know how she did it, but with just a with imagining that she can do it, with believing in herself and not giving up, she was able to do that. And I feel like a lot of adults, you know, need that kick in the butt. Like, hey, why are we giving up on this? It can be as small as like your your job, you know. Do do you? To me, I, I had a normal job, a job, and I knew I was supposed to do more, so I became an entrepreneur. And well, I, let, let me ask you this, Nick: Is it possible that children don't go give up because they don't realize that there's a better option? I mean, maybe an, an adult, you know, take a try and try and create an analogous situation. An adult is trying to achieve something that's very, very difficult by themselves. And this little girl refused your help three times. Maybe that adult would give up and go say, you know what? I need, I need a tow motor. I need to go get a pickup truck to drag this stump across, across my property or some, something like that. And, and they're not necessarily giving up as they are finding a new approach. And maybe that new approach might look like at least temporarily or, or in a sense giving up. But is that necessarily the wrong avenue to take if there's a, a better way of achieving the same goal? Is if you're focused on a goal and focus on a big picture goal, you know, then there's nothing wrong with that. But more often than not, people, you know, put something aside so they can uh, focus on an easier task. You know, with children, I believe uh, one thing that adults have more than children is attention span kids little kids attention span is so sporadic but to get that super like focus on that is what she wants to do then that's that's an amazing thing i've seen children come up with uh i uh as a teacher one time i uh, i asked my kids what they wanted to do and they said they wanted to make a snack table and you know long story short i helped them build a table um and I told them they had to measure and how would they measure. And I got them thinking creatively and they, they told me they wanted the table to be 14 markers high and three markers across. I believe kids can, you know, think creatively. So, um, you know, I, I, I think they stick to a task because they want to stick to a task. I have a, a one-year-old and I, I've definitely observed, um, his tenacity of sticking to something until he gets what he wants. But I've also observed um, a willingness to just, you know, if something doesn't go quite the way he wants it to, to just bail and do something else. And I would certainly admit that his attention span is very, very short. I mean, he just turned one last month, so he's quite young. Um, and so his ability to concentrate on a task and achieve it is limited for sure but i'm I'm curious if you didn't also see children that get frustrated and give up relatively quickly as well um you know again my experiences are from the age of three and five that preschool age um you know one little boy sticks sticks out in my my head but with the proper coaching and talking through it and and um encouragement and this wasn't coming from me this was coming from you know peers uh, he was able to stick through certain tasks and, and truly get done what he wanted to get done. Interesting. Yes. So the whole premise of this is, you know, I wrote the book because I want to help people. That is my purpose. I truly believe that, you know, and maybe it's, you know, someone came up to me and was like, why don't you write a book called 
lessons from dogs or, you know, dogs know success do you. And, and people come up with, People come up to me with interesting ideas, and the whole idea of this, and I think this is the idea of your podcast, is to understand that, you know, with a little, the most powerful thing in the world is your mind, and with a little, like, you know, we, we can control the whole world with our mind, right? So just be open-minded to, hey, maybe there's a better way that I can learn to do something, um, whatever that might be. That That is the point of my book, is to help people achieve the life that deep down inside they know they deserve, right? Deep down inside, they know they're supposed to do more. Deep down inside, they wake up every Monday and they talk about how horrible Monday is and they can't wait to Friday and they can do more. Do you believe that's true for people who really don't have uh, the capacity to do more? I'm thinking of, you know, there's plenty of people in third world countries who their job every day, or, I mean, I'm going to generalize and, and stereotype a bit here, and this person may not exist exactly, but something along the lines of, you know, they're essentially some form of subsistence farmer. If they don't work to today's, for today's food or, or this year's food, maybe it's, you know, a seasonal crop type of thing, you know, they, they won't, they won't survive. And even if they have goals of being the CEO of a multinational corporation, there's never that possibility is never going to exist in their lifetime. Like, do you believe that person is still capable of, of achieving what they consider success in their mind? I mean, um, by utilizing their mind and, and really believing it to be so. Well, I believe a lot of this is, you know, you look at, I, I research all the time, this craziness in the world and, you know, North Korea and Cuba and, you know, some of these communistic countries and whatnot and, you know, you, you realize how fortunate we are to have the technologies we have, you know, considering like, you know, people's biggest problems with the storm right now. A lot of people's problems, at least mine, is like, how am I going to survive without Internet? That's such a, you know, <laughs> first world problem um, that it, it's it's utterly insane. So I think, you know, I can't even comprehend, honestly, I can't even comprehend uh, that question, you know, with a little African boy in a village who has a dream, I, um, you know, I, I, I don't know much about that. You know, I can speak for Europe, I can speak for developing countries, but unfortunately, I, um, I, I cannot speak to third world countries. That's that's fair. I understand. That makes sense. I guess. So I guess it, if I can. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Let me jump in. So. Essentially, if I'm understanding, Nick, your book is not a comprehensive guide to um, getting everything you've ever wanted in life by doing everything exactly the way children do. It's more um, like here are things that children still do and that we can look at and we can say, you know, I can adapt those things into my life. Like, let this be an encouragement to you. Like, here are some, here are some stories. Here are some guides. Here are some general principles. Like, it, this isn't a, like, it's not like a scientific, uh, a, I'm like step by step guide to fixing everything in your life. Is that is that fair? Yes, this is a very open ended, nonfiction book that has the potential to unlock you know the truth of 
people's potential, unlock the life that they know they deserve. A little bit about me. I was I, I was in graduate school and I was working three jobs, full-time grad school, you know, just completely exhausted, exchanging my time for a paycheck. And I um, deep down inside, I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I wanted to, you know, do something for myself, do something for my family, do something bigger than I was doing. So I, I quit my job, took a leap of faith. I was homeless for a couple months, which is a story within itself. Um, and it's the best experience, you know, I, I could have had because I implemented these lessons. Okay. So what was the most, during that time then, what was the most significant lesson that you were able to tap into um, from, from, these, from these kids that helped you move from the place that you were to the place you are now? Probably, you know, um, not allowing fears to dictate my life. That's a, that's a real big one. You see, um, you know, children, sometimes you can say they're naive. Sometimes you can say they don't know better, they haven't been hurt. But, you know, the kids, kids do what they want to do with, with really little regard to consequences a lot of the time. And I, um, yeah. it, it could be good and bad, you know, and I still have scars when I was a kid and I thought I can do more than I was capable of. But at the same time, I, I realized that, you know, there was really nothing to be afraid of. I realized, you know, what was scarier to me at the time is waking up in 30 years and saying, crap, what happened if I did that and regret that decision, the regret the decision I didn't do. So, you know, it was really the relentless, fearless approach that children have. And I knew if I just made the decision to do it, I put it on social media that I was quitting my job. So it kind of became real. My, uh, it wasn't really a good professional thing to do as a teacher for several years, but I, uh, that's the commitment I had to do because then people would hold me accountable for that. And, um, so once I got over that initial fear and took that first really big step, that leap, it was, it was all easy after that. I had no, no turning back. So as someone who has also quit their job uh, in an attempt to make an entre entrepreneurial start uh, in two different occasions, neither of which um, did it become easy afterwards, uh, unlike your story, I'm curious, you know, what, what, what about, what can I learn from preschoolers that, you know, could have changed my experience? You know, the biggest, you know, and it's tough to tell because I don't know, you know, where your experience went yeah, that, off, where... Fair where where it didn't go off but you know it, it the, to me the hardest part is the commitment issue right the commitment of if a business didn't work there's a fine line over when a business is a hobby and you know if it's a hobby it's a business i'm sure as podcasters you you know you figure out can we monetize this and if we can't then it's just a hobby and there's nothing wrong with hobbies but if you're going to commit to a business then you know go all in i uh I committed to several businesses by going all in at a ridiculous amount of, you know, sleepless nights and sleeping in the office and 110 hour work weeks. And uh, I was fortunate enough to sell one of my companies in my 19th month of existence for a good amount of money. Um, all because, you know, my, my level of commitment was just stupid, ridiculous high. Um, it was kind of, anti-social dangerous i didn't go out i live in miami i've never been to one of these clubs or big bars or any of that 
you know, I don't go out. I was just every Friday and Saturday night was work till two o'clock in the morning, wake up at 6 a.m. And, and work some more. So, so here's a question for you then. What would you say to the person who has, uh, you know, maybe family or, or other commitments that they don't have the ability to just um, throw the, all 110% of themselves into something like that? Like, you know, somebody well, else my, has, my, has my, a commitment biggest, to their time. My biggest thing would be I would first share with a simple a number. And this is one of my favorite numbers in the world. And it's the number 168. And that's how many hours in the world. That's how many hours are in one week. 168. How and what we do with those time will truthfully dictate our levels of success. You can make so much more time. In my opinion, one of the biggest things, uh, ways I made time was just working, you know, the mornings on Saturdays, working a little later on Fridays and starting a little earlier on Sundays. You can get an, an extra eight hours of work weekend, right? Like we don't, and I have a little bit of a military background, but the eight hours of sleep, I believe, is not, you know, you can train yourself to run on six hours. You can train yourself to run on five hours and, and make more time. I think I think the medical community is pretty clear that different people need different amounts of sleep. And so you can't say that everybody will be as functional on five hours of sleep as they are on eight hours of sleep. But I also agree with you that there are not everyone needs eight hours of sleep, but some people also need nine or 10. Eight's kind of an average. Uh, so I think it's, it's a little bit of a bold claim to say, you know, everybody can be more successful by sleeping less. I think well, you can I find plenty of sleep, sleep deprived I, failures that would disagree with you there. I, I can speak for, and you know, maybe a market size of people in the military who um, were forced and trained to run on four hours of sleep for a year straight, whether they were used of eight or 10 hours, but that's, that's the way it was. They were, they were, it was taught to them that you can function at a high level, you know, with less sleep than that. Sure. I, I mean, I, I, I too happen to have gone through some military training, so I'm very familiar with what you're referring. Um, and I would argue that the definition of a high level is largely physically based in those situations where it says, what can we achieve physically? What can, you know, what can we do with muscle memory and, and so on and so forth? And I would argue um, that that does not necessarily translate well to, to positions or responsibilities that require you to be creative, to require you to interact with strangers, to require you to uh, constantly be, uh, doing customer service and sales and some of those things. Now I'm, I'm not, I don't have a scientific study. I don't have a double blind, uh, uh, representative sample to demonstrate the truthfulness of this. But I, I think that there are times when, um, having an appropriate amount of sleep, especially for certain personality types makes them much more capable of achieving those type of, of the goals in those types of situations. And you can't say that, you know, just chipping out another two, three, four hours a night will make them more successful because they're more, they'll have more time in the day. Now, I understand what you're saying as well. I'm not going to disagree with you that giving up some time of sleep, especially to, uh, you know, achieve something in, for a short period of time can be a successful methodology. I think any college student would tell you about the all nighter they had to pull to get a paper done or cram for a test or so on and so forth. And it worked out fine. So I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying 
telling people that you can do that for years on end in order to be successful might have a bit of a backlash and, and, and I think that'd be tough for some people to accept, especially the people who are all running already running on very little sleep because they have, you know, two children, they're a single parent, they're trying to hold down two or three jobs and, and all they need to do is give up the two more of the few hours of sleep that they have and they can be a success. So I guess what I'm saying is that that seems like a recipe for some people, but not everyone. Yes. And then that's the biggest thing is, you know, that's this, there's no book out there. That's for everyone. There's no podcast out there. That's for everyone. There's, there's, you know, there's, that, that's the great thing about this world is there are millions of books, right? I, I believe that my book is absolutely amazing. I, um, but I also think, you know, I, I can, I can give you 200 books that I think are better than my book that have helped me. And then, you know, like my, my wife, she, I can look at her books right now and she, she reads books that I can't even comprehend. I can't even understand, you know, these fiction. And I, and so the idea is everyone has different experiences. However, you know, the target market, the target audience for my book are the, you know, as I described people who are open to, um, have an open mind to trying something differently to achieve the life that they know that is there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, that there, you know, it's not for everyone, but there is a, a subset of the population for, you know, that these strategies may work great for. That makes sense. Yes, definitely. So the, the person that you describe as, you know, being open-minded to trying something new, like, like, give us more of, um, like, the person who's listening right now, um, give us an, some some insight into who this book would would benefit and, and how you see it changing, like, changing their lives. Like, maybe dig down just a little bit deeper than just um, saying, you know, re- kind of reading and it'll, it, it can, it can really help you have the life you deserve. Like, what is that? What does that look like uh, for our listener? Yes, that that would look like for potentially, you know, maybe somebody who is living, you know, in, uh, in I can I'm in a condo right now, but maybe it's somebody who's living in a condo and you know want to one day achieve and, and live in a house. You know, maybe it's somebody, as I said, who wakes up on Monday and we all see those Facebook posts. Oh, it's Monday. I hate Monday. Or what is it? Hump, hump day on Wednesdays, the week's halfway over, or thank God it's Friday and understand that, Hey, there's a better way out there. You can do something that you truly love to do, um, more frequently. Or, you know, like I think most importantly, I believe that anybody who works with children, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a counselor should definitely check out this book because one, you're not only going to relate to it, but it's going to help you understand the process more. All right. And have you had, have you gotten some, some feedback yet on how your book is, has helped people? Yes, I've gotten significant. I, I did self-publish this book and uh, through my own self-publishedness and, and I'm not here to boost my ego, but I've, I've, I've seen great successes with this book and I've gotten some amazing feedback from, from a lot of people. 
I wrote the first book. You know, this is my second book. I wrote the first book. I um I sent it out to some publishers. I had some offers, and they sent it back to me. And they they took my sixty page manuscript and they made it two hundred pages. And I felt like it wasn't mine, so I went and I said, you know, screw the big publishers. I'm going to do everything myself. And my first book was very short, blunt, and to the point. And I found out that um it was very factual. And people told me, you know, facts tell stories sell truthfully and um mm-hmm. so my first book was very abc factual short and to the point where my second book i was able to you know kind of get a more female like audience to pick up my book and you know engage them with some stories from children and fluff it up a little bit which i usually don't like i like to be raw i like to be straight to the point and and make some stories in there and um and it worked. I don't want to say it worked, but, you know, it provided value for people. Um, a lot of every parent I have talked to, which is a lot of people who have kids can told me they related specifically to the second book. I've gotten some serious negative feedback to the first book, but, you know, that a lot of people love the first book. All right. Can, are you able to share any of those like success stories? Like somebody said, you know, hey, I, I read your book and. And like this clicked for me, and and this is how it's impacted my life. Yeah, the uh, one of the one of the biggest things with that is, I, I a gentleman started up a, a business, and this was kind of a very interesting business. It was uh, with drones and taking pictures of farms and whatnot. A kid I went to college with, and he quit his job, and his business is actually um, in their first little bit he's he's fundraised a lot more money than i've ever seen in my life and he's really said he got the idea from it from you know not only my platform but from from my books yeah nice that's really cool um andrew unless you have another quote any other questions i have one final question for for nick yeah go ahead um so i think the the biggest thing that that I would imagine is a, at least a question that you get from people is, you know, you're this guy who, who has, um, like taught and and been around children, but you don't have children. How do you respond to, to those who would, uh, critique, put that as a critique for you? Like how, how can you write a book? And then, so, and, and then my follow up question with that is like, how have you overcome, um, you know, what some may consider to be a, a limiting factor for you. The fact that, that, I do not, that you don't have kids. Yes. That's, the, that's a big limiting factor. And, you know, with that being said, you know, I, I usually deal with that. I've changed more diapers in my life than, you know, one person can imagine. I've seen more, you know, I've taught so many different kids how to tie their shoe. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough that, Within the next, you know, four or five months, I, I get to be a father, and I and I can't wait for that experience. But you know, I, congratulations! Every every child develops differently. Every child is different. Every human being is different and unique. But I, I feel like as long as we just remember to love each other, remember to you know be good human beings, this world will become a much better place. Hmm. It would. Well, uh, so let's let just let's just summarize 
this conversation in like just two or three sentences. Like, what is the takeaway for people as they walk away from this conversation that you would like for them um, to to make sure they've heard? The biggest thing is understanding very simply that we have control over this world by our life, by by our mind, right? You know, and, and to solve all of life's problems, I truthfully believe that personal responsibility and the power of your mind can solve all this world's problems. Okay. All right. Well, let's change completely, change topics. <laughs> what is What is one thing that you are reading or listening to that is currently that is inspiring you? I uh, currently right now I'm looking on my desk is uh, Grant Cardone's book 10x. I uh, I know Mr. Cardone very well. It's New York Times bestseller book, and he writes about the uh, the power of multiplying your goals, your dreams by a 10x multiple. And this way, you know, very cliche, you know. At least if you if you don't conquer your big goals, then at least you uh, you do pretty well. You know you can get a one point five x of that. Okay, all right, very cool. All right, well, um, if uh, if people wanted to find out more about you about your book, where would they go? Yes, I truthfully I'm all over the place, um, but most importantly would be Twitter at MJ Britton. Um, N-J-B-R-I-T-T-O-N. That is your best way to get a hold of me. In, in, in closing, my thing is, guys, I, I just want to help people, right? If somebody messages me, if somebody has a question or whatnot, I will answer that question. I will do whatever it takes to help you. If you want to at me, that's fine. I would love to get at you. <laughs> but that's my purpose. You know, go go on Google. Uh, you know, I'm on Amazon, Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, you name it, I'm on it. Live videos. I'm probably going to do a live video uh, later later today because that's what I do. So all platforms, Nick Britton, NJ Britton. I just want to help. I want to help people. Okay, awesome, man, awesome. Well, uh, hey, man, stay safe, and we hope that we hope that uh, Irma winds up being just a a story that you can tell to people where you saw two ladies fighting over a gallon of water uh, and not uh, all this, not the devastation that, that it has potential to be. So we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you guys. And uh, send me the link beforehand so we can tap into my social media and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Thanks a lot, Nick. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy conversation, Joe. I'm really glad we had it. It's, uh, it was informative for a lot of reasons. I think Nick makes a really good point, or at least he starts, he has a really good premise that there's things we can learn from children. Children are not merely vessels to be taught, but they're also vessels that teach us. Um, I think I would push back on some of his thoughts about how children always get what they want. Um, because I've seen lots of children fail too, uh, but I, I think he's coming from he's coming from a good place. I think he needs to work a little bit on fleshing out that thought. What do you think? Yeah, I have I definitely have mixed feelings on it because, like, on the one hand, like I, I would agree. Like I've learned a lot from my kids, and a lot of it has to do with how they emulate me. 
<laughs> and how you know what I mean like so being it able taught to you s- about you in some ways yeah yeah like like seeing okay you know I do do that I need to stop that and like I can learn from from that but there is also a standpoint you know my kids have these really cool imaginations and are highly creative and it's really fun to see them problem solve and come up with different solutions for things than than I would have um and and he's right like there's the there's a tenacity in children that is like is is pretty <laughs> pretty amazing especially if the kid if it's like just if it's in their personality to be extra tenacious um my youngest is quite good at figuring things out and he like was turned up with it is it like turned up to 11 then yeah yeah and and he and he's right like kids have no fear most kids have no fear they learn they eventually learn some of that but he's at that place where asher is at that place where he has an adventurous spirit no fear and ability to problem solve that is beyond his his years so <laughs> i i anticipate many hospital visits <laughs> <laughs> hey if he's a problem solver he'll know how to set that bone <laughs> yeah exa- exactly <laughs> But yeah, so I'm kind of in agreement here. I think the premise is really good and really unique. Like I, I was um, like when I first heard about, it, I was like, "Wow, that's really that's really cool." I feel like some more meat on the bones, or or maybe just, and it could just be some communication methods um, would be good too. But it sounds like he's getting some really good uh, positive feedback from from his book, and uh, yeah, so that's those are my thoughts. Yeah, well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you have some time, go over to uh, Nick's website. Maybe check out his book. I know there are books. I guess he has two of them. They're on Amazon, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and at the time they w- he was running a sale. I don't know if he'd do that again, but, um, you know, just uh, if you if you have some thoughts, we'd, we'd also love to, to connect with you on Facebook and hear what you have to say. Um would be really would be really good and you know i think the point of this podcast is uh to bring people on with interesting ideas and this is certainly an interesting idea and we don't have to agree on it um obviously like he said he's he's talked to different people and he's helped been able to help people with his books and really wants to and so uh, we definitely want to encourage that because we could definitely use use some more um of that in the world all right well um if you'd like, we are now on Podbean as well. So take a listen there if that's your podcast app of choice. And do us a quick favor if you would. Um, really, we would appreciate if if you if you just like the podcast, can you do a quick little five star or four? We'll take a four stars review on Amazon, not Amazon, on iTunes. And if you really love us, you can go to Patreon and uh, provide your support uh, with that. Um, my birthday is coming up and I would appreciate some money. Just, just saying. Um, but yeah, email Come us. On, do us guests. a solid. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, email us. All that, all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, I think that's it, Andrew. Uh, I'll catch you next time. See ya.